Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jenking to the Max, a podcast where we talk about amazing creations, and there are even cooler creators who make them. Today on the show, we have uh, Emmett, who is a brilliant uh, neural net engineer, uh, machine learning, data scientist, all, all that jazz. Um, before we get to that, we got a little bit of housekeeping. Um, do you know what's uh, so important about this episode, Glavin? What's that, Jay? This is our fourth episode, which means that, it is. that most, I heard, I think Brett told me this, but most podcasts don't make it past the third episode. So, I mean, I, I feel like this is a pretty big milestone right here. That also, would be. Also, a, a big, uh, big thing that happened is we just hit, reached or surpassed 500 members last week, but, you know, still we're celebrating halfway to 1,000, which is, which is huge. Um, and to, to celebrate that, uh, let's see, April will be our space month, and during the entire month, we're going to have um, people who are working in different industries, sectors of, of space. So I got um, someone who's doing open source rockets. We got um, someone who's, a, I think, a CEO of a, of a space startup. A lot of really awesome people. You guys are definitely going to want to stay on for that. I am so excited for it. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be great. Uh, and, and also, as remember to like, subscribe, follow us on Spotify, Pocket, Apple Podcasts. Should be just about everywhere. Um, and if you are listening around there, you can always hop on our Discord server, uh, which is Janky DIY. We post all these podcasts live, stream them live. It's always a blast. We we have fun talking before and after the episode. It's like a before and after party. So it's a lot of fun. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I think that is all the big announcements. Um, uh, so uh, let's give a warm, janky welcome to Emmett. Hi there. Hi, how's it going? Good. Uh, so tell us about... Julia, Julia, and then tell us about Lathe and what, what makes it such a great programming language and, and framework. So all of like the machine learning programming these days is done inside of Python. And while we have like Cython, you know, it's like a lower end for Python, the conversion isn't always there. Like Python.h is kind of a hit or miss package to use inside of C. You know, so sometimes you'll try and uh, compile something with GCC to get it running because Python's not fast enough and it just won't work. Now with Julia, you get like the high level, almost like scripting language syntax of Python, which is great. And while Julia is not compiled, it's, it, well, it is compiled, but it's compiled at runtime by a compiler different from, you know, being compiled before execution, like C or something, where you get an executable file. Um, mm -hmm. What's so cool about that is that it makes Julia, in turn, really, really fast, while also being really, really high level. So it's easy to get something up and running, and that's the problem that you have with working in Scala or, you know, anything like that. And Scala also has the issues of JVM, because it's JVM-based that has floating point inaccuracy and for statistics that's usually not too viable so um julia is just really cool because it's the best of all of those worlds 
you can manage Hadoop just like you could with PySpark. But at the same time, you're working in a language that is four times faster, you know? So mm -hmm. all it really needs is just the code base to support that speed. And then the, the language would really just take off on the machine learning front. Oh, yeah. No, it, it sounds like it's a, it's a unicorn language. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely strange. A lot of people have voiced opinions on it, you know, overtaking Python as the machine learning language, because let's be honest, Python's not really meant to be a machine learning language. It just happened yeah. to be, you know, it just fell into the role. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I, like, I like to think of it in terms of cars. If Python was a car, it'd be a... Uh, Four by four, loaded down with all the modules. There's a stuff yeah. bungee corded to the side. It'd be a four by four sports car with milk crates on the top. <laughs> yeah, then, then there's Julia, which is like a, I don't know, Ferrari or something. It's super fast. Requires some some skill to drive, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's um, very specific. Yes. Yes. So then. To, to kind of help with this, and I think it's really cool, instead of just uh, waiting for someone else to, to develop a framework for Julia, you're actually going out and you're building one from the ground up, right? To facilitate machine learning? Yeah. yeah, so I've been working on Lathe for probably almost half a year now. And what's cool about it is a lot of like, Julia's biggest problem is segmentation because in Python, I'll add, say, three packages. I'll pip, pip3 install uh, pandas, pip3 install sklearn, pip3 install tensorflow, you know, and those are like pretty much, and numpy, of course, but that comes with pandas. So those are pretty much the quintessential data science packages. Maybe use scipy too, you know, but you don't need anything else. In Julia, say I wanted to fit a decision tree classifier. Well, I'd have to go add a package called decisiontree.jl. And all that that package is, is just a wrapper around the Python decision tree from sklearn. So they're Py calling sklearn. And none of this stuff works on Debian or Ubuntu in the first place because there's actually a bug with that where it can't find your Julia executable. So there, half of the server, well, 75% of the servers which are running Debian and Ubuntu are, are not going to be compatible with, you know, this, this module. And even so, what's the point of using Julia if we're using a wrapper to interface with Python through Julia? Because then we yeah. lose the speed of Julia, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean... The goal it's here like, is to get everything simple and in one place. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that is really impressive. So, as, as essentially, you are trying to make the, the essentially the all the functions that Julia has all the advantages for machine learning instead of just outsourcing it to Python, which is what the current yeah. solution. Yeah, I mean, there are different solutions out there for different things. Like, we have Flux, and Flux is fantastic. But there is one what weird thing in Flux. Flux is, uh, it's like the equivalent of TensorFlow. So it's okay. for, like, building neural networks inside. So I built, like, a few CNNs and LSTM models inside of Flux. And I'll say it's really nice to build models in. It really is. It's I love Flux. But... um. A lot of their stuff is, I mean, 
we're going for more like fit this model kind of thing where it's easy machine learning you can fit and predict in two lines whereas they're on the TensorFlow side of things. We're like the SK Learn of Julia. But there mm. are some weird things. Like, for example, their one hot encoder is like 112 lines and is an entirely its own module. When really, you can do a one hot encoder in two lines. And of course, it's way faster to just do it in two lines. So that mm. ends up being a lot faster anyway. So I think a lot of things are also overcomplicated and a lot of people just don't know how to use things because they're so overcomplicated where you could right. do something in two lines in Python, you have to do it in six in Julia. And it's just because the code base isn't there. Right, right. It's only what, it started in 2012? 2014. They started working on it in 2012, but wow. they consider the official release, which was like 0.4, still version 0.4 in 2014. Yeah, no, I, I was actually, uh, it was still trying to pick up Julia and, and machine learning and such. And um, now that's one of the biggest issues is the documentation. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's really hard. And Emma, you've done a fantastic job um, helping with that. You know, I, I always I follow you on Medium and I always see whenever I log in, I always see you've written like 10 articles on <laughs> data science. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, part of the goal with that, too, is to make the documentation so it's not so sketchy like that. Like if I went to Flux's documentation right now, and tried to build a flux model, there is no way that without knowing the knowledge that I had have prior, I would just be able to, you know, if I tried to go and just Google Julia around, it would not, I could not learn how to write anything in a day. It took me forever to learn just conditional masking in Julia because it's different from everything else. You know, you use like a filter method. Everything in Julia is like methodized because it's functional. You know, right. it was, it, it's just strange because it's like they want people to join the language, but they also want it to be convoluted and have no documentation. So with Lave, I mean, I kind of seek out to change that with the question mark doc documentation, which you're familiar with, where you can mm -hmm. just use like the help method on anything. And I think that well, makes I, it really a lot easier. I, I thought that that was for Julia. That's just for Lave. No, well, it's for all of Julia, but it's not very widely used in all honesty. And mm. I don't really know why. It's because they used to have like a different uh, scheme for doc strings and they kind of changed the doc string scheme. And I think it made a lot of packages just innate, unusable, basically. They changed a lot of stuff like struct, like instead of saying mutable struct, you used to say mutable type. But now you say mutable struct. So yeah. I mean, a lot of things have changed around. And that's like a core feature of the language is being able to construct types. So very weird. Yeah, I'm, I remember that was a huge frustration because you, you find a tutorial and it was actually semi-complete. And you're like, yes, finally. And you, you start doing it. And then there's some weird compile error. And I'm like, oh, it's outdated. No. So yeah. I'll have to say for the, for the audience out there that's interested, if you've never done machine learning before or if you haven't really done much programming, do not start with Julia, not yet at least. Start start maybe with Python or something that's a little bit easier. 
but for those of you who kind of know the basics, um, tr tr check out Julia. Uh, you're probably going to have to ask a lot of questions and hop on a few servers, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool language. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think honestly, at a certain point, we're just gonna start learning Julio when it comes to data science, and that'll just be the language. They're teaching it at a lot of universities. I actually get a lot of messages from students who are asking me uh, <laughs> about like jump optimization and stuff. They're like, how do I optimize this? I'm like, oh, you just do this. You know, so it is interesting that, you know, a lot of people are learning it now. So I'm kind of excited for like the future especially oh, yeah. in the terms that, you know, I kind of created the scikit learner, Julia. So, so, <laughs> right, yeah. right. That, that's an amazing, what, what I love about Julia is that it's not like these super established languages where, you know, everyone's done everything big, at least. With Julia, it's just beginning. So you have an opportunity to really get in on the ground level and, and have yeah, a huge exactly. impact, which I, I, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's a really amazing opportunity to to learn and <sighs> yeah. So how long do you think it'll be before it hits mainstream? If you were to give a rough estimate of time. Um. Well, there's a lot of cool stuff coming in 0.1.0. We got to remember we're still really like low on the version. We're in 0.0.9, and that just dropped, and that brought a lot with it. Like we brought the one hot encoder and all kinds of new distributions. But uh, mm -hmm. what I really think we need is more models, more like multinomial MB is a must, logistic regression is a I mean, must. You, you, want, you want, to, want to go over and explain that? Yeah, well, my biggest, I guess the biggest issue with those kind of models is that you have a recursive cost function. And the problem with a recursive cost function is of course it's recursive. So it's very intensive. And mm -hmm. any way that I can kind of avoid having a like cost or a loss function would be massively beneficial. So for a lot of them, like for example, linear regression, most people write linear regression with you know a loss function, but there's a mathematical way to get around that. They call, I mean, it's just simple linear regression, but it's better on the CPU by far. And we're talking prediction times of like seven milliseconds on millions of observations. Whereas normally, you know, in Python using sklearn with their loss function, and that's with fit and predict too. So this is just the, uh, the fit part, not even the predict part. You're still looking at over like 26 milliseconds at the very least, usually over 300. Wow. Yeah, and that stacks up after when you get really large data sets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and another thing with Python, too, is sometimes if the data is so much, you won't even be able to read it in. Like, over a million observations, mm -hmm. I've never had in Python, never been able to. But in Julia, I've ran, like, 30 million observations through it fine. And that's, like, in the realm of something you would deal with in Scala. You wouldn't even try and touch that in R or Python. But it, Julia just handles it like a champ. So I really love that language for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, yeah, I joke that Julia plays hard to get. You know, she's <laughs> it's, it's a she. It's not an it. It's a she. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
They definitely were accurate in the naming scheme. They decided to call it Julia for a reason. <laughs> oh, I find that really funny. Have you looked at the Wikipedia page? Because I was like, okay, what's the real reason? Because there's got to be a real reason why the guy named it Julia. And supposedly, um, he just liked the name. And I'm like, oh, come on, there's got to be a story behind it. Like... So he lost the bet with someone. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he had a really great Julia's, night, passed out. I mean, Julie is just like a product of MIT. And what's interesting is like, uh, what's the name of that space station? You might know I'm talking. LIGO. It's not a space station, but LIGO uh -huh. it me measures uh, gravitational something. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, LIGO, um, which actually runs on Debian, fun fact. But they actually code a lot of LIGO systems in Julia because it's oh. all MIT, and they love using their own language, of course. But, of course, of course. But yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I remember, um, what's the Julia, like, they have a site for business. Was it called Julia? Julia Computing. Uh, yeah, Julia Computing. You guys should check it out. Uh, you can see some of the. Yeah, they're really also cool. they're also responsible for a few really cool packages like uh, ML Data Utils and Jump, Jump, which is the uh, the package I was talking about earlier for optimization. So there are some really cool things that they put out. Yeah, or like right now they have like protecting the electrical grid, robot locom locomotion. Um, yeah. GDP, astronomy, um, yeah, there, there, there's a ton of stuff, and it, it, it's bursting. Just, we should have better documentation. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's cool, too, with Julia, because it's not necessarily like a data science or machine learning language, per se, but it's just a general, I guess, general purpose, but mostly statistical language. So a lot of like the people using it are astronomers and biologists, and it's just really cool to interact with those other people at like you know data conventions and stuff. JuliaCon, for example, where you'll meet a biologist and you'll be like, "What are you even programming for?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's really I mean it's really cool because it's just like a different community than Python, you know, where everyone's just writing a scripting language. Yeah, yeah, Python. You get much more the like the not the script kiddies, but you know the, the beginners that people are learning, and yeah, yeah, it reaches a whole new class. Yeah, a lot less scientists. <laughs> <laughs> we mean in Python. Yeah, because a lot of scientists are already using those lower level languages. I mean, R is pretty common for science, but Python really isn't that common. It seems like what happened is first we had MATLAB. And everyone was using either MATLAB or R. And then people started using Python, R, and MATLAB. And now, mm. gradually, the scientists are switching over to Julia. And hopefully that will, uh, that will continue. <laughs> and we'll all be on Julia one day, and it'll be a perfect world. <laughs> I'll be seeing Kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we are very early in the versions, but there's a lot that gets done each version. So, yeah, so, what are some of the big updates you're planning on making? 
I'm planning on adding a lot more mobs. I'd like to even get into like the grit of like the random forest classifier, all of that great stuff. Just because I also was thinking about having a little like Flux extension because Flux doesn't have a lot of like pre-builts like TensorFlow and Curus does. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be really cool to, you know, just have some pre-builts inside of Lathe that people can access just whenever they use Lathe. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, because that's essentially what Lathe is. That's essentially what SKLearn is too. It's just a library of pre-built models that you can just apply to any situation that worked well. And on top of that in, in Lathe, you get the stats and uh, the pre-processing, which the pre-processing comes in SKLearn, but not so much the stats. So yeah, really mm -hmm. cool. Wow, I got also asked, why the name Lathe? Well, it's kind of just a joke because, uh, you know, Lathe machining. <laughs> that was mm -hmm. kind of the point. I was like, you can manipulate your machine learning with a lathe <laughs> because the lathe can machine. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I don't All know. Right, it's kind that. of a, a joke, but yeah, I don't know. Right. And then the name just stuck, so I like it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good name. You're going to have some problems with SEO. <laughs> oh, wait, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. And you're actually popping up the top results. Last time I, yeah. I searched for it, it was like, it it, it popped me down, like, probably oh, random probably pictures of Julia or Lay. There was a, uh, I just had a server migration recently. Okay. I switched from Ubuntu to Red Hat and migrated my servers into Colorado from Singapore. So good, <laughs> you know. So a lot of things changed, and I had to go back into the Google search engine console and get all my stuff fixed. And it's still saying I have errors and dead links, but yeah, that's where uh, we're at. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, search engine optimization is a pain. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, just make sure you put Julia whenever you search for Lathe, then you should be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you just search for Lathe, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll find you'll find some good deals on some blades though. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean admittedly are pretty cool. Ooh, first thing that pops up is a video about amazing fastest wood lathe machine operation modern dot dot dot. That looks that looks that looks about right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, I'm looking at it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so wh who, were you using, like, a online service provider, or were you just hosting this on a VPS? So right now I'm hosting on a VPS. I've been kind of all over. I've tried shared hosting. I've tried just because a lot of the hosting that I do do is static files. I mean, I deploy right. a lot, but, like, it'd be better for me to not have an nginx configuration for in in nginx is like the web server and the web right, browser. Yeah. yeah um it'd be better for me not to have a configuration for all of those like static files being served as well as all of my you know port writing servers like flask or genie which genie's for julia so that's cool but you know django <laughs> all that stuff is running on there too so it gets really like intertwined and sometimes you'll have annoying things where you'll configure a server and then it will go to the static files and then you'll have to disable the static files, see if the server is actually working, 
re-enable the static files. And all of this is, of course, you know, removing configurations and then reloading configurations. And then, yeah, it's a lot of work. And it's all through SSH, so it's not fun, you know? It takes a couple hours. Oh, <laughs> DevOps, gotta love it. Yeah, no, not for oh. me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. I was dealing with some some, some issues, and what what's so, I guess, infuriating for me about DevOps is that you you know you work really hard and you get you know whatever you know website or program what whatever you got it working on locally, and you're like, yes, this is golden, it's beautiful, I love it. Let's serve this up, and you serve it up, and then you get like fifty stupid errors because it doesn't like your YAML file or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Something that really uh, gets on my about Julia's Genie. This is a shout out to Julia Genie. So <laughs> Julia Genie does really great with environments because it comes with like four different environments that you can load up with your web server and you can like basically it's like you SSH into them. You don't, but you load the environment through Julia by with a dash script, you know, so you activate it through SSH. SH with like source, you know, so mm -hmm. you source like bin slash REPL and then you can install all of your packages through there. Although you could just activate it through the REPL with activate, like pkg.activate, but we're, we're getting in the realm of too much Julia here, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Julia, so Genie is the, like the web server or the, um, not the web server, but like the, like the web app framework for. Yeah, yeah, the the, yeah. the web server framework, you're right there. Um, and, I mean, it handles environments really well, but there definitely are a lot of annoying things about Genie where it just won't host. And sometimes with Nginx, it really has a lot of trouble. So, yeah, Genie is one of my big annoyances. And another thing, it would be really great if, so whenever you create a project, it doesn't create a project.2ml file which would be optimal because the server can't run without the project 2ML file, right? So you have to nano one up, right? And make your dependency, like make it from scratch, basically, for no reason. Like they could just make one automatically for you. But um, yeah, what's annoying though is you put the dependencies in there, but it doesn't do anything. Like it doesn't matter at all because those dependencies, you still have to add them into the virtual environments manually. So there's no point in even having the dependencies there. You might as well just put the name of the thing. I don't even think you have to put anything in there, to be honest, but yeah, mm -hmm. very tedious. Wow. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beginning language, you know, you're gonna have all these little kinks that you have to work out. Yeah, the clerks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, changing gears, uh, what 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 about your uh, the programming language you're you're building from the ground up? Yeah, so Lay is really cool because in a lot of ways it's kind of based off of Julia, if I'm being honest. Because there's so many things from Julia that I like, but um, if you like like C Lisp or you know Lisp in general or Scheme, um, then you'll really like it because. It's basically Lisp and Scheme with the macros, a huge focus on macros, but similar more towards the realm of Julia. I wonder explain what a macro is for the audience who doesn't know. Um, it's the mathematical equivalent of lemma, basically. It's like 
a function that you can call in line, basically. An action that you can call in line. I shouldn't say function, but yeah. It's okay. really cool. Alright, so, so continue, I interrupted. Yeah, I mean, what, what I think is really going to be cool about it is just a lot of, like, the Lisp-like languages don't really have a package manager and are not, like, based in one foundation. They're all general-purpose languages, just like Lisp mm -hmm. is. You know, so it'd be really cool to have one that's not so general purpose, that's more like a meta meta statistical language, which is the same thing that Julia's could consider, but Julia does not have that huge focus on uh, meta, you know, and it's a functional language. So it'd be interesting to take kind of those functional properties that Lisp has while also maintaining like the great package manager. Oh my goodness, Julia has a great <laughs> package manager. And, yes, uh, I love my it. Favorite package manager ever. But, uh, <laughs> a great package manager, and you know the environments and all of the lovely features that you get inside of Julia. But basically, take that and put it into Lisp. <laughs> so, so you're you're saying that, that Julia comes with a good package? Sorry. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, well, you, you actually, what's the language called? I remember there being an emoji in there, like a Leia. Leia, yeah. <laughs> Leia is the name of the language, and it's a it's a joke because it's a mix of Lima, which you know is going uh, back to the mathematical macro thing. Like if you look up the definition of Lima, it's kind of the equivalent of a mathematical macro, you know, and it's just kind of a joke. But the why just comes from the why that you're predicting because I couldn't come up with anything better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they got me thinking. You know, when you, you showed me the screenshot of the of the like the, the flamingo emoji you put on the REPL, what if there was a programming language that used emojis? Like the, the whole thing like it'd be a combination <laughs> of something like Scratch, but then you're it's text based since you're, you're you're like typing them. I feel like that'd be a, a really hilarious gimmick that would do absolutely nothing and be super inefficient but would be hilarious nonetheless it would be cool if we had emoji keyboards <laughs> yes <laughs> if I typing it on my phone then maybe but not not on a laptop you know because then i'll have to click the screen and then press the emoji button in gnome yeah. no it'd be, it'd be for programming on your phone that'd be yeah. like the whole thing okay, okay yeah <laughs> That might work. But yeah, I mean, that, that REPL, funny enough, is actually written in Bash. There is no assembly-based read-evaluate print right now. I haven't written it in because, man, I've been busy, you know? <laughs> yeah, you've been telling us a little bit about the, the insane uh, neural net machine learning scene that's going on in, uh, like, not Silicon Valley, but in just tech in general. Oh, yeah. There's a huge arms race right now. A lot of people don't realize it, but right now, every company, every big tech company on Earth is racing for machine learning dominance. They're, they are racing for superiority. Like, think about what Google's doing right now. They're releasing phones with huge AI features. Like, I have a Pixel 3, you know? Um, mm -hmm. They're releasing phones with huge AI, AI features. Google made TensorFlow. They're, they're pushing their Google Cloud platform for computing. 
AWS is the same thing. Amazon's doing the same thing. They're pushing machine learning. They're trying to make, you know, self-flying drones that fly through the air. Microsoft has been pushing Azure. You go on cable TV, you see ads for all of this, you know? Mm -hmm. Even Apple is pushing machine learning. And don't even get me started on SpaceX and Tesla and all that, you know? <laughs> of course, right. that's all machine learning. So we're in right. like a arms race right now. And that kind of makes it scary to be a data scientist because that means that every company is right. It's like you're working at NASA before you landed on the moon. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the Soviet Union. It's crazy. <laughs> so for all those people who are looking for jobs or work, pick up data science, machine learning. You'll have some incredible job skill security. Yeah, and it yeah, and it's highly in demand. Um, I don't. I think it was Forbes estimated that twenty twenty to twenty twenty one there will be uh, two hundred thousand data scientist positions unfilled. I think that's correct. Two hundred thousand. Yeah. Dang. It might be less. Let me. I can search it up. But Forbes. That's that wow so and also like for like certification and such as long as you have a project record you don't really have to have a, like a degree in data science do you so well it kind of depends like some some data scientists will tell you um you need a quantitative degree like a master's mm -hmm. in computer science but uh i don't have a master's in anything <laughs> you know um it's really just sure. being able okay, to demonstrate your skills okay explain what's going on and you know no statistics i think mm -hmm. as long as you're able to put that forth and put that idea forward like i'm approached all the time you know i'm not a college graduate and i'm approached all the time by random <laughs> people asking to do basically contracted work with machine learning you know so that wow <laughs> so yeah no, i i always love love to hear that yeah but get prepared for a lot of work and get prepared oh, yeah. to be overwhelmed for the rest of your life when you get into it because even <laughs> where i'm at right now even you know like i'll run into times where i'm like what on earth i have no idea which is pretty hard to, to imagine. Seems like you, oh, you know yeah. your stuff. <laughs> I mean, no, but yeah, yeah, machine learning, picking up data science, machine learning. I mean, I I've, I have not learned or picked it up by any means. But like just learning the basics was so such an intensive process because there's <laughs> just like so much stuff that's going on. And you're like, is this magic? This seems like magic to me. Why? How is this working? <laughs> Yeah, imagine writing the low level of that too. What's your favorite <laughs> model? Me? Yeah. What's your favorite uh, machine? I mean, I've, I've I've only worked with, I haven't graduated above uh, reg general regression, so I know <laughs> I'm, a, I know I've lot I've much to learn. So we're we're excluding like uh, neural networks from this, obviously, because it's just models. But uh, my mm -hmm. favorite model, one hundred percent random forest classifier. Love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Such a cool model. I don't remember the name of the guy that came up with it, but man, he was a smart Ra guy. Random forest classifier. Does that just group similar things together? 
it's just it's a categorical model but it's really accurate and the way that it works is off of uh permutations so it'll mm -hmm. use permutation permutations which are basically just weights and okay know, has a loss function all of that wow that sounds really fun so uh where can people go to learn more learn about julia learn about uh i know we've talked about how poor the pot the not the podcasting but the tutorials are for julia but is there any good place to start um well for as for lathe i would go to lathe.ai <laughs> or the lathe github page and uh as for julia i don't know i i guess the best way to learn julia is just to get some packages and start playing around and kind of google as you go per se because mm -hmm. there's really not like uh a uh sound tutorial like the definitive tutorial to go through at least not right now i know there is one video on youtube that's like learn julia in one video but i think i watched like five minutes of it and i was like this is terrible you know because <coughs> it was like i'm gonna teach you how to print hello world in julia okay it's one line uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah again People, there's so much opportunity to get in the ground level to really, really help uh, grow this language. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the syntax is really cool, too. It's very interesting syntax. It's kind of like MATLAB uh, C. <laughs> yeah, even C. There's a little bit of C in there. And Python all had mm -hmm. a mate. And it's like a weird, deformed baby. It's very strange. <laughs> but, yeah. And, and people can go find you on uh, Medium, right? They can find me on Medium. Find me on GitHub, github.com. It's all slash EmmettGB. So medium.com slash at EmmettGB. And uh, I'm, I just signed up for Twitter recently, actually. Oh, nice. You, uh, you, you, yeah. Oh, wait. That's a shout out to all the other people. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We're JankyDIY. Um, we, I like posting... Uh, tweeting different pictures of projects and such you guys are working on. Um, maybe a few quotes here and there. Uh, but yeah, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> and follow yeah. Emmett on Twitter, too. Give everyone a follow. Follow me on GitHub. That's more important to me. <laughs> uh, um, I have one other. LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Yes. yes. Or, yeah, that's Emmett it. Boudreaux. <laughs> is, is that how you say you're that? Boudreaux. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cajun. It's really cool. Interesting. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Alright, cool. Gotta love it. Yeah, you Alright, and as always, follow us, like, share. I think Apple has a review process. I haven't looked into optimizing for podcasts, like like growing numbers. I'm just working the production end, but I will be working on that soon, so yes, follow us, all that jazz, tweet about us. Um, and no matter where you are, whatever project you're working on, remember, keep it janky to the max! <laughs> <laughs>